Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Hey, Fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe when you get the chance. So you catch all of our content on there. And you can also check us out on BillyUp.TV Live. If you missed the show, that's okay. You can check us out on the Foxy Network app on LG, Samsung, Roku, and now newly on Amazon Fire TV. Look at the Belly Up Sports TV category. You can find the MD's Fantasy Football Show there or stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. When you download us on your favorite podcast app, and you can always give us a five-star review to greatly help us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We got the Sunday Fun Day recap show to go over here with the week three. What are the notes to take out? What are the thumpers and bummers? What do we do moving forward in the week four? That's what this show is all about as a stack show. So I don't waste too much time here. So I do want to dive immediately into our quarterback thumpers. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! Right off the top, Lamar Jackson, four passing touchdowns, 
107 yards on the ground, another rushing touchdown. The man is ridiculous. The man is a cheat code when it comes to fantasy football. It's the closest thing and may even be better at this point than Michael Vick was back in the early 2000s when he was going number one pick overall because nobody knew what to do. He was just outscoring the whole world. And now through three weeks, Lamar Jackson is the number one fantasy quarterback over even Josh Allen. Outscored him last week, outscored him again this week. Doesn't change the fact that Josh Allen comes in at number three thumper on the week. Because even a losing effort, even in a game in which the Bills only scored 19 points, Josh Allen, 400 yards and two passing touchdowns. Oh, by the way, tack on another 40, 50 yards on the ground. Because the offense flows through him. So he's another quarterback thumper on the week. And our number two quarterback thumper on the week, last one we'll talk about here, Hurts. Jalen Hurts continuing to get the job done, showing that he's going to be every bit as consistent as he was a season ago. He's got 340 yards, three touchdowns on the day. We're going to be talking about him and the Philadelphia Eagles and the wide receivers and all of that in a little bit in the next segment when we go in the extra credit game notes. But there's a lot to uncover because everyone is getting a taste and it should be very, very exciting if you have any of the pieces to the Philadelphia Eagles on your fantasy teams. Let's talk about our quarterback bummers of the week, though. Quarterback bummers. All right, so our number three bummer of the week was Justin Herbert. This was a tough situation. If you played him, look, don't, don't be too hard on yourself. You had to go into a week with a backup plan to begin with. Maybe you did your due diligence and you tried to leave the door open for yourself. Maybe, maybe you picked up a Marcus Mariota. Or maybe maybe you picked up you know one of those type of guys going in the fourth, the four o'clock games on the East Coast, I should say. But then you found out Justin Herbert was going to play. He was pushing to play the whole week. The team maybe not so sure. He gets the injection and he's able to go. And he's playing against Jacksonville. I have a top five quarterback, and I wasn't going to move off of that as long as he was going to be active, and he was. You can't knock yourself for playing it, but at the end of the day, 12.58 fantasy points, didn't look like himself. It can go two ways, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in the game notes too. Maybe Jacksonville's defense is on the rise, and we haven't caught up yet as fantasy analysts. It's possible. But I saw Herbert in a lot of discomfort out there trying to white-knuckle it through. If you had Herbert, you had to play Herbert. So don't feel bad about it, but it was a rough week nonetheless. What about Matthew Stafford, though? He comes up number two bummer of the week. The Arizona Cardinals have been a defense that everyone up until this point has been able to take advantage of. Now, when it comes down to it, the Rams didn't have to do a whole lot to win this game offensively. But when you play Matthew Stafford, and I had him as a top 10, top 8 play even, against the Arizona Cardinals, you're expecting bigger things than to not score a single touchdown in the game. Because, of course, Cooper Cup gets his touchdown on a run. We'll talk about that later. So that was a rough thing watching here. Stafford getting 10.16 points in a juicy matchup against the Arizona Cardinals, which, you know, early implications was that it would be a shootout. Great matchup on paper. 
just didn't deliver. Stafford's still a low-end QB1 moving forward, but it was rough to see in this game, a game which you're hoping if you drafted him, he would get back on track. Our number one quarterback bummer of the week, Carson Wentz. Now, if you listen to this show, I warned you guys, I said, look, if you've been streaming Carson Wentz or you picked him up because he's had a great two weeks and thinking that you had fantasy gold on your hands, I told you guys he's a low-end QB too. Ranked him as such. Comes in at 8.64 points. The Eagles' defense is no joke. That is a true elite defense. And they if you watch that game and you tried to play Carson Wentz, they showed you why. I He will still be able to take advantage of average to less than average defenses throughout the year. They have weapons. But for Carson Wentz, when he plays an elite defense, you have to move on to better options. What about our running back thumpers of week three for the Sunday afternoon recap? Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! Number three thumper of the week for the Thursday night and Sunday afternoon games was Jamal Williams. 87 yards, two touchdowns, actually had 20 carries in this game. It just reinforces what I've already been telling you guys. When it comes to the red zone, Jamal Williams is getting the work. And while he's not a safe play, because if he doesn't score, it can be a brutal fantasy day. Because DeAndre Swift's going to get the rest of the work, normally speaking, in the passing game. But at two touchdowns, this is something he can do. The Detroit Lions offense is moving the ball. They're up-tempo. Their defense is bad. They're in a lot of scoring positions. And he's in a situation where he's getting the score quite often. So Jamal Williams is somebody who's going to be quickly becoming a top 36 play. Touchdown dependent, yes, but the touchdowns are there to be had. So keep that in mind moving forward. And he's our number three thumper at the running back position for week three. Number two, Derrick Henry. Look, I told you guys, if, if you're going to try to buy low in a Derrick Henry, you had to do it before this week. Comes against the Las Vegas Raiders, 85 rushing yards, picks up a touchdown. The big key here was that he got involved in the passing game. Six targets, five catches, 58 yards. I wasn't sure if I even knew who I was recognizing out there. Derrick Henry, I don't know if I've ever seen him get that much receiving work before. Now, I'm not expecting that to be a thing that continues, but it does show you that they were putting a huge emphasis on making sure Derrick Henry was getting involved in the offense more ways than one and was leading that spearheading the offense in general. And it worked. They won the game. Derrick Henry gets back on track in this week. He's no longer a buy low candidate as a result. And I told you guys to hold. Hopefully you did. And now better days should be ahead for you. Our number one thumper of the week, and probably no one, unless you're in incredibly deep leagues or dynasty leagues, had him in your starting lineup. But Khalil Herbert, 157 yards and two touchdowns. I had David Montgomery as a top 12 running back. I had him as a lock him in starter. I was all about David Montgomery. And this is kind of why he gets hurt early in this game with an ankle injury, ankle slash foot, whatever they're calling it. 
And then it led to Khalil Herbert coming in, and he just lit it up. Again, 157 yards and two rushing touchdowns. The Houston Texans can be had. We knew that. We thought it'd be Montgomery if he didn't get injured. It wasn't. Herbert comes in, and Herbert does what Herbert does. He's a great runner. Unfortunately for his case, and for people who are Herbert believers and think that he can really like take off at the end of this year, it takes an injury because he is still a zero in the passing game. Although I will say, I think all of Chicago might be a zero in the passing game. So maybe that's not saying much. But they're already talking about Dave Montgomery being day to day. So that's the good news. If you're Montgomery owners and you don't have Cleo Herbert, there's a lot of talk. He should be good for next week. Obviously, stay tuned to the at Billy Up MDFF show social media pages because we'll keep you up to date throughout with that throughout the week. And we'll have Brian Scott on on Wednesday and Thursday to talk about it more. But it just goes to show you that if he does get the opportunity to lead the way, he's more than capable of putting up huge fantasy days. Last two weeks, he's been on my waiver wire report less than 50% owned. That won't be the case this week, whether David Montgomery is or is not available. Let's talk about our running back bummers. Running back bummers. AJ, really the Packers backfield in general are my number three, number two spots. AJ Dillon coming at number three, Aaron Jones coming at number two. They split the work like you would normally expect, but the Packers offense got completely shut down in the second half of this game and just didn't, wasn't able to do much. Tampa Bay is a good run defense. We knew the matchup wasn't great, but at the same time, given the lack of pass catchers, you would think the running backs would have been a little bit more involved in the passing game. And they have to lean on their running backs to spearhead the offense. It's not Aaron Rodgers' offense from that standpoint anymore, from a productive standpoint. It is the running backs. So both were disappointing in this game, but it doesn't change my mind on either one of them as far as are you starting both of them in your lineups week in, week out? The, the answer to that question, for me at least, is absolutely. But they were bummers this week. The other bummer was Darrell Henderson. He's our number one bummer on the week. Only four carries, 17 yards. Now, we'll get into more on this about the game notes later on in the show, in the second half of the show. But he was looking like he was now the backup as far as usage is concerned. We'll see if that continues. Sean McVay can go back and forth on a week-to-week basis. So this may not be permanent. But if you were trying to sell your soul for Darrell Henderson, thinking Cam Akers was never going to make a resurgence, well, this week, if not last week, proved that to be totally wrong. Now, I don't expect Henderson's usage to be this low on most weeks as long as he's healthy. But it does show you what the floor can be if it winds up being one running back over the other when it comes to the Rams in the first place. But let's talk about the wide receiver thumpers. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! Welcome back to the NFL, Hollywood Brown. Where have you been, Hollywood? That's what a lot of people were asking the question. He had a nice floor over the past couple of weeks, but really wasn't leading head and shoulders as that top wide receiver like people expected him to do so when you know DeAndre Hopkins was suspended for the first six games of the year. But this week, finally got going, looked healthier, looked more spry. I do think part of it was that he had to get back in the game shape. Remember, he did not practice much throughout training camp because of a hamstring issue. So he probably needed a couple of weeks to actually get in true game time shape. 
17 targets, 14 receptions, 140 yards through the air. He wasn't going to get shadowed by Ramsey. We knew this going into the game, so we knew he had a chance if he was good to go, and Colin Murray would actually look for him to light up the matchup, and he did just that. So Hollywood Brown back in business, baby. You got to feel pretty good about him until DeAndre Hopkins gets back at the very least. And even then, we're still talking low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three talent. Mac Hollins. Mac Hollins is our number two thumper at the wide receiver position for the week. Hunter Renfro didn't play due to concussion issue. Devontae Adams, again, mediocre stat line. Mac Hollins lit up the back end secondary of Tennessee. 10 targets, 8 receptions, 158 yards, a touchdown to boot. Now he's on the waiver wire. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm not, I'm not going to trip over myself trying to get some Mac Hollins. And I want to give him some recognition here because the huge game and we'll get him in the thumper segment. But I think he's nothing more than a deep sleeper. If Hunter Renfro's out again, maybe in a full point PPR league, 14 team or more, you want to consider him in the flex? Sure. And I, I feel like I have to make this emphasis because he's been pretty good the last couple of weeks. There's no doubt about it. Don't get swept up in it if you're in 12 man or less leagues and you know, three receiver, a flex. Don't get swept up in that. Hunter Renfro will be back, hopefully this week, from the concussion injury. And while we haven't seen it since week one, Devontae Adams, you know, leading the way with 17 targets, games like that are well in the way. So don't get swept up in the hype that could be a Matt Collins heading into week four. But for now, we we need to give him recognition. Our number one thumper on the week, Devonta Smith. So I'm ready to come around on this. This point, I felt like the Eagles are still a run-balanced team. I felt like most days they're only going to be able to support one to two pass catchers, and that could be it was, A.J. Brown's always like the guy that you trust to be involved, and then it's either going to be a Devonta Smith week or a Dallas Goddard week. But they're showing more and more trust with Jalen Hurts. It was a good game for them here, a good matchup at that, too. And teams are so worried about A.J. Brown. They're so worried about the legs of Jalen Hurts and the running game in general with the offensive line. Devonta Smith is just open. I'm watching this game against Washington, and some of it is that they're playing soft zone for the entirety of the game, which befuddled my mind to begin with. Yes, they don't have a great secondary, but you're going to play soft zone, especially against Devonta Smith. He's going to find holes on you all day long, and that's exactly what he did. That's why he wound up with 12 targets for eight receptions for 169 yards and for a touchdown. He's not a wide receiver too. The volume projectable on a full season basis is not quite there. But has he now gone from a high-end wide receiver four that you're debating about whether or not you want to play to a wide receiver three who probably belongs in your lineups? Yeah. Two weeks in a row now, he's lit it up. And Jalen Hurts is looking like I can get both Brown and Smith involved like he did today, especially when the matchup calls for it. And of course, that'll be key. But I don't see how you can move forward, at least not heading in the week four anyway, not having Devonta Smith in your starting lineups. Let's talk about the tight end thumpers. Tight end thumpers. 
This is Sparta! And I'm totally wrong. We need to talk about the wide receiver bummers. Excuse me. Wide receiver bummers. My bad. Skipping ahead here. The wide receiver bummers, Brandon Cooks, our number three bummer of the week. Seven targets, two catches, 22 yards. Better days are ahead. He is the number one receiver, head and shoulders. Most of the time, Houston will be tra- will be you know come, trying to come back from behind. He usually gets moved around. He still has seven targets in this game. Yes, is it the performance you're hoping for against Chicago? Of course not. Two catches, 22 yards. You're actually in a matchup where you're like, oh, yeah, I feel like going into the matchup, I feel pretty good. Should be able to take advantage of this. And he doesn't? No. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this... But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Does that change my mind from Brandon Cooks being a wide receiver too most weeks moving forward? No, it doesn't. The volume will save him ultimately. But for this week, it was a huge disappointment. My wide receiver two bummer on the week and what's probably going to wind up being one of my zero calls because it was a bad call. I guess, was Traylon Burks. Only two targets, one catch, 13 yards. Instead of a catch, come back on a penalty. But from the eye test, he looks good. From the eye test, I don't think there's any question. He looks like the best wide receiver the Tennessee Titans have the offer. And I thought that this would be the game he would break out. It's a nice match against the Raiders. They need something to go offensively for them. And I think that would have been true had they not shockingly gotten Derrick Henry involved in the passing game the way that they did with six targets. So it was clear that just they wanted the message to go, Derrick Henry had to get involved. And I don't blame him for that. It won't be long before Burks takes over as the wide receiver one for this team. I'm telling you that right now. The talent is there. He passes all the eye test marks. Robert Woods got involved. That's nice. Kyle Phillips was out for this game. That's nice. Burks is the only wide receiver they have on the roster who can truly be special. So it won't be long before he is getting targeted as the number one wide receiver. The good news about this is that while I was pushing you guys to buy low last week, you now have another week window in which to be able to buy low on. And I would still recommend, especially given Tennessee's schedule the rest of the way, to do just that. And our number one bummer of the week DJ Moore. He gave you more on the ground than he did through the air. Six targets, one catch, two yards. I don't want to get into too much of this right now because in the second segment, we will talk about the game notes, and that's more where I need to address the issues of a DJ Moore. But man, oh man, you drafted him to be a wide receiver too, a consistent wide receiver too at that, and it has been brutal for the first three weeks. And I think we all know why, and we'll talk more about it soon.
Tiny and Thumpers. This is Sparta! Now we can get into the tight end thumpers. Number three, Travis Kelsey. So consistent. Eight targets, four catches, 58 yards, gets into the end zone. He's the only pass catching option you can truly trust right now coming out of Kansas City. Eventually, some wide receiver will emerge, but that doesn't take away from Travis Kelsey and what he does and what Patrick Holmes needs him for. And outside of week one against a putrid, banged up, decimated Arizona defense, we haven't seen this Chiefs offense really be that effective. And that includes today. But Travis Kelsey's been ever consistent. And he's everything you probably drafted him to be. Our number two thumper, David Nujoku, who I've talked a lot of crap about. I'm not going to lie. Everyone keeps trying to rank him as a sleeper, except for this week. They're more in line with where I had him to begin with. My big knock was that, look, Harrison Bryant's too involved. But then what do we see Thursday night? Well, Harrison Bryant was really wasn't involved at all, especially when it came to actually route running and getting targeted. And as a result, we saw David Njoku go for 10 targets, nine receptions, 89 yards, and a touchdown, majority of which he had in the first half of that game. And now... Potentially, he could be back on the radar. We'll see what happens. I'm still not trusting it, but he does have get recognition tonight. Mark Andrews is our number one tight end thumper. No surprise here. 13 targets, 8 receptions, 89 yards, 2 touchdowns. Now he has back-to-back top-end finishes. Mark Andrews, the man. If there's two tight ends I trust the most right now, it's Travis Kelsey and it's Mark Andrews to get theirs almost every single week. You can't replace those guys. No one else is even near those guys. They are in a tier unto themselves. And then there's everybody else. What about the tight end bummers? Tight end bummers. Darren Waller. So he had a really, I should say really good. He had a solid first two weeks. This week comes out five targets, three catches, 22 yards. But again, I mean, outside of Matt Collins, there wasn't really a whole lot of highlights going on for the Raiders offense to begin with. Better days are ahead. But for this week, it was quite disappointing playing against a good matchup there against the Tennessee Titans. The number two bummer on the week, and the guy I made sure was outside my top 12. A lot of people had him inside, was Joe Everett. Part of that is because I was worried about Justin Herbert. Part of that was because I thought Keenan Allen might be back, but that didn't wind up being the case. Everett had six targets, two receptions, and 25 yards in this game. But the Chargers offense in general wasn't able to get involved. Nobody did well. So I'm not holding this performance against him, but I will say Keenan Allen's on his way back. Donald Parnum's on his way back. Justin Herbert will get healthier. There's a lot of things blocking Joe ever from continuing to be a streaming option as a high-end tight end, too. So just kind of keep that in mind. And then my number one bummer, and he'll probably be a zero in the Tuesday night show, was Logan Thomas. I did have him as a top 12 tight end coming into the week. He only had three catch, three targets, two catches for five yards in this game. Now, I knew this was going to be a tough game offensively for the commanders in general. But I thought they got down close. The one area of the field you can attack on the Eagles, typically speaking, 
is the tight end position. But that just didn't prove to be the case here today. Better days are ahead. I still think he's a top 12 tight end for the rest of the season. And if he's available, this is the guy you should be going to get, as I've been saying for the last two weeks now, it feels like. But for tonight, it wasn't pretty. That does it for our thumpers and bummers for the Thursday night and Sunday afternoon games for week three. Stay tuned to the show. When we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about our extra credit game notes for each one of those matchups and what we have to learn and move forward with. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with all of you right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-the-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Maynard. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back to the Sunday Fun Day recap on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. where We recap the Thursday night and Sunday afternoon games from the week prior. Today, of course, we're going over week three. And it's now time for the extra credit Game notes of the week. If I could ever find the drop, which I can't do, apparently. There we go. I know, I know, I know. Tough time over here in the production studio. We're, we're all right. We got it. Let's talk about the Thursday night game. So we got the Steelers and the Browns. Wasn't a matchup I was looking forward to, but to be honest, there was a little more action than I was expecting. Let's start on the Steelers' side of the ball. My notes for the Pittsburgh Steelers are countdown to Kenny Pickett time. The Steelers lost another game. Mr. Trubisky was subpar, to say the least, once again. Although he didn't completely, you know, implode like he had the week before. 20 of 32, 270 yards. Didn't have a touchdown, but also didn't have an interception, which, frankly, in his case, is a little bit of an improvement. Look. The Steelers' offense is limited already as it is with the offensive line. I have my doubts about Matt Kanata as a long-term play caller. 
But the big thing here is Mitchell Trubisky just refuses to go deep. He tried to be more aggressive and made an effort in the first half, but that quickly went away as their lead dwindled in the second half. And as a result, they wound up giving away the game. I don't think it's going to be week four. I think by week six, and I posted this out on social media, at Show. give us a follow, that it will be Kenny Pickett time probably around that time frame. Tomlin doesn't want to rush us, and I understand why. And I'm not a big Kenny Pickett fan to begin with. But it's hard for me to imagine anything being much worse than what we're having out of Trubisky to begin with. And that leads me into the next point, which is you need to sell Najee Harris while you can. He gets the touchdown this game. He gets 56 yards on the ground. Yes, he's getting the volume. But the Steelers have a very unfriendly schedule for running backs for the majority of the season from here on out. And if this offense is going to be this hindered and this limited by the quarterback play, by the offensive line, by the potential play calling of Macanata, you need to move on. You need to move on while you can still make the argument that Najee Harris should be viewed as an RB1. Frankly, he's probably nothing more than RB2 on a volume-based basis. But I think you need to make that sell while you still potentially can. Because I don't see too many games where Najee Harris is going to be able to boom unless he's able to overcome the odds. Something that, as a guy who's not really much of an explosive runner, is not always really going to have as easy of a time doing as others. So that's the other point of this. My last note on the Pittsburgh Steelers is that Deontay Johnson has a safe floor pretty much no matter what. He had 11 targets in this game. It's the third week in a row. He's had double-digit targets. Eight catches, 84 yards. It's not a special stat line. doesn't wow you, but he's been getting the job done in spite of matchups because he had a bad matchup this week against Denzel Ward in the Cleveland Browns secondary, and in spite of the horrible play of Mitchell Trubisky. What's clear is that Deontay Johnson will get his workload and you continue to play him as a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. And if he ever gets a touchdown, then you're talking about a guy with a little bit of upside. But it looks like he's the only guy in the Steelers team I truly trust to keep and play in my laps moving forward, quite frankly. So he leads to the Browns. Nick Chubb cannot be stopped 23 carries 113 yards on the ground he gets a rushing touchdown he has been a true rb1 for the first three weeks and i will say after three weeks now i'm watching the steelers defense and without tj watt this is a defense can be taken advantage of they can be taken advantage of through the air they can be taken advantage of on the ground i am not fearful of the pittsburgh steelers defense no matter what you have on your fantasy team that's the other side note that goes with that amari cooper Two games in a row now. He's gone for 100 yards and a touchdown. This game, 11 targets, seven receptions to tack onto that. Week one looked like a disaster, and it looked like everything we were fearful of when it comes to Jacoby Brissett as a starting quarterback. But since then, he's at least shown that he knows who he needs to get the ball to, and that's been Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper is always somebody that I consider to be a high-end wide receiver three based on volume. And then during the playoff stretch, we'll see when Deshaun Watson comes back if he can't take it up another level. But now, we're talking about Mari Cooper as like, you need to play him as a wide receiver too, at least. The volume's there. Play him. Brissett's looking for him. And he's doing a good enough job getting the ball to him over the past couple of weeks. I think we can safely play Amari Cooper in our lineups 
week in and week out. And then we have David Njoku, who I talked a little bit about in the thumper section of this. Yes, David Njoku is somebody that I have not wanted to play. I did not draft. And mostly because he's been in a committee with Harrison Bryant. But that didn't happen this game. Harrison Bryant doesn't even show up in the box score in this game. That's how much of a discrepancy it was between him and Njoku for the first time this season. Does that continue? I don't know. Stefanski has shown in the past, historically, he wants to play these tight ends. Even when they had Hooper, they wanted to play Hooper and Njoku, and they still got Harrison Bryant involved then. So was this a one-off? Or are they like, look, we need Njoku to get featured because we paid him to do so. That would make sense. That would be logical, but that doesn't always mean that's what coaches do. They don't always do the logical thing. So I think we're in a wait-and-see mode, but Njoku does have to be back on the radar as a result. Let's head to our next matchup, the Houston Texans and the Chicago Bears. So my notes starting off with the Houston Texans, Damian Pierce was a strong showing. We said going into the game, we liked the running backs a lot because this is the one few times, both for both of these teams, that going into the game, you can make the argument they may be in a neutral to pro game script for the majority of it. And you know what? Both these teams were in a neutral game script for the majority of the game. As a result, their lead running backs who don't get involved maybe necessarily in the passing game like a Damian Pierce were going to get a good amount of work. And he did. 20 carries, 80 yards, a touchdown. But once again, only two targets, two receptions, 21 yards. Rex Burkhead, meanwhile, five targets. Way outplayed Damian Pierce when it comes to routes run. This team, with the way it's built, is still set up more for Rex Burkhead to be the better fantasy option over the long haul because he's the guy involved in the passing game. And there are going to be more game scripts where they're trailing rather than being within three points. So maybe this is time to sell high on Damian Pierce. Or maybe going forward, if you want to keep him, you play him as an RB3 and you pick your spots. But I'm not getting overly excited like Damian Pierce is going to be the next RB2 based on his performance against the Chicago Bears. And which he still didn't go for over 100 yards. And then, of course, we already talked about it in the thumper section for the wide receivers. Brandon Cooks had a bad day, but better days, of course, are ahead. He still was the lead targeted guy. I know it's disappointing because it was Chicago, but Brandon Cooks will have better games ahead. So don't get too sour on him if you do. On the Bears' side of the ball, Justin Fields still only threw the ball 17 times in this game, and he had two interceptions to boot. So now we have to question, in a game, we've seen two different game scripts now. One that was negative, where he was down three scores, and they only threw the ball 11 times. And then another one that was neutral to pro, they wound up winning this game, and he only gets 17 attempts. As a result, this leads to my next note, which is Bench Mooney. And frankly, I'm not ready to do this yet. But Mooney is somebody who's going to be on my potential dump them radar. I'm not hitting the drop yet because you don't want to do it now. But he's still the wide receiver one of that team. That just might not mean anything. Justin Fields has yet to throw the ball 20 times in a game this season. No receiver, no pass catcher can live off of that low of volume. And if it doesn't matter what the game script is, it doesn't matter what the matchup is, I don't know how you can play Darnell Mooney anytime soon. So for now, my advice is to bench him 
but he could be somebody that we're potentially dropping soon, which would be a huge bust, especially considering where he was drafted in most leagues based on ADP. And then David Montgomery, we had the injury to David Montgomery. They came out after the game pretty quickly, said he's day-to-day, and there's a pretty decent chance we may see David Montgomery soon as week four. Now, that's not going to change my stance as far as how important of a waiver wire pickup Khalil Herbert is. But that does mean you may not be going after Herbert if you don't have David Montgomery quite as aggressively because he may not be even getting the start as soon as next week. So there's good news for the Bears on that front when it came to David Montgomery. Our next game up, of course, is the Raiders and the Tennessee Titans. For the Raiders, we talked about Mac Hollins just going bananas, especially with no Hunter Renfro in the matchup. Devontae Adams had tied him in targets, but really wasn't nearly as effective. And Darren Waller kind of had the dud game to go to boot to go with it. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Again, I talk about Matt Collins. We're not picking him up, at least not aggressively. If you're in deeper leagues, you need somebody you can play, especially as Hunter Renfro's out and a guy who's on the field all the time. I mean, in two receiver sets, Mac Collins is out there. He is playing as that number two guy across from Devontae Adams. When Renfro's healthy, I don't expect him to dominate in the passing game the way he did today, but he has shown something now two of the last three weeks. So deeper leagues, an emergency flex, perhaps. Mac Collins can be on your radar in that sense. But the Raiders in general have a problem. The Raiders, and this is my next note, needs to play with more urgency. They can't be waiting until the second half to finally play with their heads on fire and actually move the ball. This is what happens the past three weeks is that they fall behind. The offense looks completely out of sync. They can't get going. And then finally, in the second half, because they have no choice, they go up-tempo. Derek Carr gets moving. Still winds up going over 300 yards today. Still winds up getting two touchdowns. Even with the pick, he winds up being a decent fantasy play. But it shouldn't take until they're down multiple scores to finally get moving. Josh McDaniels, and especially as fantasy owners want to get the most out of our weapons, need them to start playing with a little more urgency and starting in the first half. Play like you're 0-3 
And then guys like Adams, Waller, Renfro when he comes back, Josh Jacobs, everybody gets to eat as a result of that. Everybody gets to be the fantasy asset you wanted them to be when you drafted them, including Derek Carr. But until that happens, McDaniels wants to play this like slow, I'm still in the Patriot game, even though you don't have the defenses anywhere near as close. You're going to have games like this where everybody kind of suffers and need Adams to score a touchdown in order to bail you out for the second week in a row. So something I'm noticing about the Raiders. On the Tennessee side, I talked about this, Derrick Henry getting back on track. They had a huge focus one way or another on Derrick Henry leading the offense. It's the only explanation why he gets six targets and five catches, 58 yards, something you're not known for Derrick Henry to do. And it's not something I would come to expect before you get too excited about, oh, Derrick Henry's involved in the passing game again. Relax. It's still going to be Donchell Hiller's job throughout the season, but the important part was in a game in which Tennessee had to have, what they do? They turn to Derrick Henry in more ways than one to help them get there. So if you draft a Henry, not only does this game make you feel good because it was a good fantasy performance, but what it shows you is that Tennessee is committed to him leading the offense. And again, we talked about Jalen Burks. He disappoints. I do believe that's the wide receiver you want to have on Tennessee moving forward. And I do believe you want to continue to try to buy low on him if you get the opportunity. And his value won't be lower than it is now coming off of a two-target, one-catch, 13-yard performance. Our next game to talk about is the Chiefs and the Indianapolis Colts. So the Chiefs notes, here's what I got. Patrick Mahomes needs someone behind Travis Kelsey to be able to pick up the slack. Mahomes was 20 of 35, 262 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Juju Smith-Schuster was that other option to Travis Kelsey yet again this week. Five catches, 89 yards on eight targets. And that's fine, but that's all Schuster is. He's fine. No one's afraid of these wide receivers. They're not afraid of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They're not afraid of Miko Hardman. I know Sky Moore had a rough day from the special team standpoint. I get it. But if the Chiefs are serious about trying to get this offense being what it needs to be, Sky Moore is going to have to get involved at some point because Smith-Schuster is like he's running cement out there. They're moving him around enough. They feature him enough that, yeah, he's going to put up okay stat lines like he did today. But really, 80% of his work came on one catch that happened to go for 53 yards. Outside of that, you're talking about a four-catch, 26-yard performance. It's all underneath. It's all near the line of scrimmage. It's no different than what he was with Ben Roethlisberger on the Steelers. Keep holding Sky more. That's overall my advice to you guys. Don't drop him just because he wasn't involved here. And just because he had a special teams day. Somebody else has to emerge, and the Chiefs know it. And it'll happen sooner rather than later. On the Indianapolis Colts side, Taylor gets back to work from a volume standpoint. I remember last week, he only had the nine carries. It was efficient. I know this week, if you're looking at it, you're, you're probably feeling like Taylor had a disappointing fantasy day again for, you for the second week in a row. I get it. Three catches, 20 yards, five targets. But here's the point. 21 carries, 71 yards. Yes, it wasn't all that efficient. The Kansas City Chiefs defense did a very good job. But most of the time, when Taylor gets plus 20 opportunities like he did in this game, He'll provide you with top three running back performances. I am not moving off of that being the case here. 
And Michael Pittman, welcome back. Eight catches, nine targets, 72 yards. He is the passing attack of this offense. There's no doubt about it. Let's talk about the Eagles and Commanders game. Eagles defense completely dominated this game. The eight points the Commanders put up was complete sham at the end of this game. Starting off with the Eagles, Jalen Hurts is an elite fantasy quarterback. He only had 20 yards on the ground, and that's okay because he had 340 yards through the air. He had three touchdowns on 35 pass attempts in a game in which they led pretty much the entire way. He got Devonta Smith involved with the big day. Like we talked about in the Thumpers. He got A.J. Brown involved with 10 targets, five catches, 85 yards, a touchdown. And even Dallas Goddard saved his day with a touchdown. He can get everything done. He can get it to the guys that you need to be involved the most. Again, I talked about Smith. Smith can be trusted as a guy that's playing as a, at least a flex wide receiver three in your lineups. We may be talking about him as a wide receiver two before long if they can keep up this level of production they did the first two weeks. But I don't want to get carried away. I still think we're going to have quite a few games on our hands where they get A.J. Brown in there and Devon Smith kind of gets left out because maybe they ran the ball a little bit more that week and only got the one pass catcher involved. I think that still can happen on a consistent enough basis where I'm not ready to make Devonta Smith a top 24 receiver moving forward for the rest of this season. But he needs to be in your lives as a top 36 player. And then Sanders, look, he wasn't great in this game. 46 yards on the ground, negative two yards on the air. But he had 15 carries. Kenneth Gainwell was the next guy with three. Boston Scott had two. So what we learned in this game is that usage-wise, if the Eagles are in a pro game script, Miles Sanders kind of gets to be the workhorse back. Now he still has to contend with Jalen Hurts when it comes to the goal line. And when they get in games that are back and forth or they have to trail, they seem to go to more of a committee between the three. But at least we know now, pick your spots with Miles Sanders, and he is an RB3 flex play in those situations from a usage standpoint. And I think he'll have better games than he did today. Usually he's more efficient than this. On the commander side, Carson Wentz comes back down to earth, which I said was going to happen. They hadn't played a real defense yet. Jacksonville game one, Detroit game two. This is a bad matchup for him. The Eagles have great, great secondary players that can just match up with almost any receiving core out there. And the sacks is what killed Wentz. Nine sacks in this game. The offensive line of Washington Commanders is bad, and they finally got to go up against a real pass rush in the Philadelphia Eagles. The good news is McLaurin was still solid through all that. We were worried about the matchup with Darius Slay. If Carson Wentz is bad, how good can the receivers be? He had nine targets, six catches. He goes over 100 yards. The only thing he didn't do is score. Curtis Samuel, if you played him, especially from a PPR standpoint, he did kind of what you wanted him to do. Ten targets, gets seven catches, and only for 48 yards, but he's still continuing that trend so far this season of being the main featured guy throughout the field who's just going to get peppered with targets. The guy who gets left out, and predictably so, is Jahan Dotson. Look, the last couple of weeks, I pointed this out. Look, you take away the touchdowns, he's not lighting up the stat board. He's not carving up the secondary. Who's living off of touchdowns? Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, those guys have safer floors because they can do it with the yards and they're going to get enough targets. Jahan Dotson, despite the fact that he's playing the second most to Terry McLaurin, is still going to be touchdown dependent. Now, if Curtis Samuel gets, he- gets injured, and that's something we know he tends to do, 
that's where Dotson has the upside value of why he's still an interesting stash if he's available on your waiver wires, but not somebody you're playing, frankly, anytime soon. So let's move on to the Saints and the Carolina Panthers. Let's start off with the Saints. The Alvin Kamara usage is maddening. Maybe it's because of the rib injury. We don't really know, but he gets 15 carries in this game. and He's efficient. He gets over four yards a carry, totaling in 61 yards. The problem is two catches, 12 yards. And I know in the box, you're going to look at that. And you're going to see, oh, seven targets. Technically, he was the second most targeted pass catcher on the team. They're bullcrap. There are certain times where targets are not all equal. And he had about three or four of them that were sailed 20 yards over his head that were never really going to be in any position for him to catch them if he didn't, if he didn't actually get to see this game. Kamara, especially when they're trailing, which they were the entire game today, has to get more involved in the passing game. And Jameis Winston is not Jameis Winston. He comes down with 353 yards and a touchdown. But look, if he's going to be that hindered, he can barely move his hips. And that's part of the reason why Kamara's not getting those checkdowns the way that he should, because you kind of you have to drop your hips. You have to be able to shift. I don't see a lot of wiggle right now in Winston. He has to get the ball out of his hands quick. Can't really take the hit. Can't really move his hits in and out. Look, if he's going to be this hindered, and I know this, I know Dennis Allen, the Saints, right after the game, came out and said they have no intention of moving, of benching Jameis Winston or allowing him to get healthy. I get it. He's your starter, and he's good enough to play. But at this point, Andy Dalton's probably better. And I'm not a big Andy Dalton fan. I think Jameis Winston's definitely better for this team long haul, but it's killing them. If you can't move the ball until teams are playing prevent defense, that's a problem. And that's what it's been now for the past couple of weeks because, well, Jameis Winston's back is broken. I don't understand why they won't give it a couple of weeks to heal. And we'll have to see what happens there if he continues to be this bad. Chris Olave. So Michael Thomas got banged up in this game. Jarvis Landry got banged up in this game. His second week in a row, Chris Olave gets 13 targets. And this one, nine catches, 147 yards. It's something to keep in mind because the one thing, if they do stick with Winston, well, he's still he's still taking shots down the field. That's Olave. And now if you take Thomas out of the mix, if you're going to take Landry out of the mix, and we'll have to see how their progression goes throughout the week. Follow us along on at Billy of MDFF show for their player news notifications. Well, Olave could be a guy that we're playing at least as a flex play, if not a potentially wide receiver two play because of the volume he could be seeing now. So keep your eyes on Chris Olave moving forward. On the Carolina side of the ball, my first note is Baker still sucks. The Panthers won, but Baker was still horrible. 12 completions on 25 attempts, 170 yards, a touchdown. The reason they win this game is because he didn't turn the ball over, which is more than we can say, I guess, for the last two weeks. But he's still bad. As a result of that, my next note is DJ Moore can only be a matchup-based wide receiver three play moving forward until something changes, whether the play of Baker Mayfield gets better, whether they make a switch, whatever the case may be. But DJ Moore, for the third week in a row, only gets six targets, but this time, it was a tough matchup. He wasn't a starter for me. I didn't have my top 24, but one catch for two yards? Come on. This is brutal. And DJ Moore is too good of a player. You can't move on from him. You're not going to be able to sell him for anything because his value is too low. You're definitely not dropping him. So don't even ask me on social media about that one. But it's brutal. And unless it's a favorable matchup, I don't know 
that you can trust or want to play DJ more right now moving forward until something shows out differently. The only good news here is that Christian McCaffrey remains solid. 25 carries, gets 108 yards. Is he as involved in the passing game as you would want him to be? No, but nobody is because Baker's just that bad. I don't know why. Make it easier yourself. Check the ball down. Four targets, two catches, 70 yards. But the fact is, McCaffrey has had three good games in a row. He gets a touchdown week one. He goes over 100 yards in week two. He goes over 100 yards in week three. At this point, especially in a matchup against the Saints, I don't know what else you could ask for. Our next game was probably the game of the week. The Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, the Dolphins winning this game 21-19. to Now, I do want to point out, look, the Bills' defense was completely hindered. I mean, Ed Oliver was out. Micah High looks like he's done for the year. Jordan Poyer was out for this game. Deion Jackson was out for this game. They still have no Tredavious White until week five. So there's a lot of pieces missing in this matchup. But to get on the Buffalo side of things, what was interesting, Devin Singletary, terrible on the ground. Nine carries for 13 yards. It was absolutely off on the ground. But he was the number one pass catcher, not just for the running backs, but for the team. 11 targets, 9 catches, 78 yards, a touchdown. And James Cook got more involved here, too. He had 5 targets for 4 catches and 37 yards. I know they like Zach Moss for his pass protection ability, but, man, he's he's a waste of space when he's out there. And they finally look like they allowed that to be the case. They allowed it to play out and let Devin Singletary be the main pass catcher and be a weapon. I don't know if this is here to stay. We've seen flashes of this and they revert back to their old ways. So I'm not saying that Devin Singletary now bumps right back into being a high-end RB3 as a result of this, but it is something to watch if it can continue. It gives you a reason to make sure you know Devin Singletary can still be an asset and still should be on your teams. Or you could look at this as an opportunity to sell him high too, and I'd be okay with that either way. Better days are ahead for Gabriel Davis. Obviously, he was not 100%. Six targets, three catches, 37 yards in his matchup in a game in which the Bills only scored 19 points. And I wouldn't be shocked if this proved to be the lowest score the Bills put up all season long. So I'm not worried about Gabriel Davis moving forward. He'll get healthier as we go. On the Miami side of the ball, it was still a split backfield. Edmonds wound up getting the two touchdowns. And what's the plus side about that is they were both in the goal line, which was a concern for a lot of people. He most certain Chase Edmonds. Like, would it be, you know, who's it going to be when they get inside the five? And it was Edmonds this time around. He only followed up with six carries for 21 yards and didn't do much in the passing game for one catch, six yards. But it was nice to know that Edmonds was the guy in the red zone for this team. Technically, Moser still outcarried him, but there just wasn't much room to run against this Buffalo Bills front. And Tua Tagovailoa came back down to earth. Now, I will say this about Tua, and I'll say this about the rest of the offense too, including Tyreek Hill, who had a very disappointing day with only two catches of 33 yards. Not every week you're playing the Buffalo Bills defense, obviously. This was a banged-up Buffalo Bills defense, but even so, it's still one of the better defenses in the NFL. And what you can say the silver lining is Jalen Waddell still remains hot through the first three weeks. Just show it in my face a little bit more. Six targets, four catches, 102 yards, and another 45-yarder in this game. Jalen Waddell, I, look, I'm a big fan of the player. Keep doing your thing. Apparently, you are fantasy-proof because he's always going to be in a position to make that big play as a secondary option to Tyree Kill. 
It's good to see. You have to keep more making sure he's staying in your lineups. Detroit and Minnesota. Is Swift still hindered? That was my question coming out of this game because he only got seven carries to Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is 20. And he only had four targets, three catches, 15 yards, while Jamal Williams is only about you know two targets behind that and one reception behind that. He played like he was still hindered. And I thought he'd be a little bit more healthier after last week. And we saw last week he was still going to make two big plays. But to be fair, his fantasy value came off of two big plays. When they weren't there to be had, like they weren't there this week, then he became pretty fantasy mortal. You're playing DeAndre Swift every single week, but just kind of keep in mind that maybe you need to lower your expectations, and maybe that leads you to taking more shots at your wide receiver three or maybe your flex position as a result until we know he's 100% healthy and practicing in full. That'll be the key. That's how you'll know. And we'll keep you up to date on that. I talked about Jamal Williams, the fact that he is a red zone monster this year and can be played as a flex play who's touchdown dependent. Then St. Brown. No, it wasn't a huge St. Brown game, but still six catches, 73 yards, nine targets, which was pretty much showing as a floor game so far this season. You'll take that every day of the week. On the Minnesota side, this is big news. Justin Jefferson was disappointing again. Only six targets, three catches for 14 yards against a Detroit Lion defense coming off of what should have been a floor performance on Monday Night Football. Now, Kirk Cousins was not good in this game, 24-41. That was completely shocking, and that has definitely something to do with it. But Adam Thielen managed eight targets, six catches, 61 yards, and a touch. K.J. Osborne managed five catches, 73 yards, a touchdown on eight targets. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Look, Justin Jefferson is still the number two overall to a Cooper Cup, but that's the key right there. I mean, calling him a number one, I thought he'd be in a fist fight with Cooper Cup throughout the entire season. And maybe Cousins or this offense is just not quite ready to make that happen. Justin Jefferson is. But it's a little rough. But he's still the number two receiver overall. And don't get that twist in your heads. I saw a lot of weird comments about trades with Justin Jefferson after one bad Monday night game. So I can only imagine what it is I'm going to see this week. But unless you're getting a King's ransom, there's no reason in the world to think you need to move on from Justin Jefferson. Don't read too much into it. That's my main nose for that. And of course, we have the Dalvin Cook injury. Dislocates the shoulder. And what made me crack up was that immediately, even before we got to the Sunday night game, they're already announcing like he's going to wear the harness again. He'll be fine. He's going to play next Sunday. And remember, when he wore the harness last last year, he went for 200 yards rushing, basically. So, Dalvin Cook sounds like that's you can breathe a sigh of relief if you're Dalvin Cook owners. If you're Alexander Madison owners, it looks like mm, the breakout might have to wait at least another week. But playing on dislocated shoulder is painful and can be re-aggravated. So, 
Keep that in mind. This is why Madison needs to be owned in all leagues that Dalvin Cook is also owned. That's why I keep pushing that every single year and every single week. He's been on my waiver report every single week because of that fact. Know what you're dealing with. You have to have guys like that on your team. Let's talk about Cincinnati Bengals and the New York Jets. So Burrow getting back on track here a little bit. 275 yards, gets three touchdowns, doesn't turn the ball over. Joe Mixon got a little bit nicked up in this game. We're going to have to wait and see exactly what the nature of that injury is. In his stead, it was Samaja Perrine, both in the passing game and on the ground, who took his place. Chris Evans is clearly, despite what we heard over the offseason, the RB3 of this roster. So Samaja Perrine is going to be the guy you're going to want to pick up as the handcuff to Joe Mixon. We have to wait and see exactly what that report is going to wind up being. Chase saves his day with a touchdown, but it's two weeks in a row now. It's been, it's been a little brutal there for Jamar Chase. Only six catches, 29 yards. He does have 10 targets. He does lead the way in that standpoint. T. Higgins had a nice game. He got knocked out for a little bit on a bad hit. Seven targets, five catches, 93 yards. You're playing him every single week, but the reality is that when you're splitting time with T. Higgins, who's a legitimate wide receiver one in his own right, there's going to be games, maybe more so than a Cooper Cup, and I would say more so than Justin Jefferson other than what we've seen the last two weeks, but maybe more so than a Stephon Diggs. Those elite top-tier receivers, he may have a little bit more boomer bust to his game, which is something we kind of knew about Jamar Chase, who is a big play predicated wide receiver to begin with. Tyler Boyd had the big game here, but look, more times than not, Tyler Boyd gets left out when these other two are on the field. And for the Jets, there's nothing we can take away from the Jets going into week four. Why? Because they've already announced Zach Wilson is going to be the quarterback for week four. We have no idea what the offense is going to look like. It's not going to look like what it has been with Joe Flacco. I can tell you that. That's not going to be the plan to have Zach Wilson back there just throwing the ball 50 times a game. They're going to want to be a little more balanced than that. The question is how balanced? Will they let him be unleashed? They have a lot of weapons. Will they let him continue to do what Flacco's kind of been able to do? As a result of that, we can't really trust anything. And in fact, even though there are quite a number of Jets players like Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, the running backs, Tyler Conklin, who are on the cusp of people you might want to play because of the volume, if you have an option next week to be able to bench all of them to kind of wait and see what this offense looks like on the return of a Zach Wilson, that would be my advice to you. But there's nothing we can take out of this week. So let's move into our next matchup. We got the Baltimore Ravens and the New England Patriots. We talked about Lamar being a thumper. He is the fantasy king right now. The big news is that Dobbins played, came back in this game. He only had two less snaps than Justice Hill which I think that in its own right should be news that he led the way as far as the running backs go. His playing time will just increase from here on out. So I said, look, there's no reason to play Dobbins this week. We know he's going to be on a limited snap count. Next week, I think we can consider him to be more of a flex play. And then after that is when we'll get into the conversation about Dobbins being an RB2 with some upside. But also keep in mind that come week five, Gus Edwards will be eligible to return if he's in fact in shape to do so. So even when Dobbins is full go and getting his full snaps, he's still going to be sharing time with Gus Edwards. That's why we're ultimately looking at an RB2. But we think we're on the cusp of getting that value out of him if you've been patient. When you talk about New England, look, there's a lot. It's kind of like the Jets. I don't know how much you could take out of this game because now we have Mac Jones with a high ankle sprain. 
Now he's not a running back or a wide receiver, so it might not cost him quite as much time as it would the other guys. And that's a question I'll certainly ask Brian Scott about when we get to it. But as a result, you know, Devontae Parker had a huge game in the absence of Jacoby Myers. I mean, he had five catches, 156 yards on 10 targets. I think the only thing we know is that the running backs will be looked to to carry the load offensively and Stevenson and Harris here. And ultimately, they're still RB3s in their own right. This is another offense we really can't take too much out of heading into week four because, well, if Brian Hoyer is starting quarterback, things change. Let's talk about Jacksonville and the Chargers. We'll start on the Jacksonville side of the ball. So Jacksonville is just flat out, look, they're a better team than they were last year. Plain and simple. And as a result, it has a good effect on Trevor Lawrence, who's playing better over the past couple of weeks, has a good effect on the running game, has a good effect on the receivers. It's a good effect on the defense. This is not a team you necessarily want to be licking your chops. Now, I, I'm not getting crazy here. This is not a team that I expect to make the playoffs still, but this is a competitive team. You're not sitting there salivating at the mouth when the Jaguars on your schedule when you have a fantasy football player. That's what I'm saying. Lawrence has his best game. Robinson is a must start. James Robinson, 17 carries, 100 yards, gets a touchdown here. Tax on three catches for 16 yards. He is a must-start RB2 from here on out. There's no question about it. The good news with Travis Etienne is that he was involved. He had 13 carries alongside Robinson, 17, in a pro game script type of game. So it wasn't like he got left out of the game plan just because they were ahead. Just wasn't as effective. Just not as good. I think he needs a negative game script to outplay James Robinson from a fantasy standpoint. And then Zay Jones, he's an emergency flex option. Two of the last three weeks now, he's been pretty involved in that passing game. He's there to kind of be the second receiver to Christian Kirk. This week, of course, 11 targets, 10 catches, 85 yards, a touchdown. It's not going to be pretty with Zay Jones, but he is big enough to be in the, big enough to be a red zone threat. And if you're in full point PPR leagues and you're looking for a flex play, he's out there enough and gets targeted enough that he can be considered within that realm. On the Chargers side of the ball, it's hard to take away really anything from this game. Yes, it was a complete, total poor showing from the team. But like I said, Justin Herbert clearly was just not himself. As a result, the entire passing game, you know, it's it just demolished, just imploded on itself. Keenan Allen was out in this game, so Josh Palmer came in. And to Josh Palmer's credit, he's probably the one silver lining. Six catches, 99 yards, nine targets. He did what he was supposed to do in the absence of Keenan Allen. You can't ask for much more. But Mike Williams, six targets. He gets a touchdown. And that saved his fantasy day, but that was it. You really didn't get much out of him otherwise. And then Austin Eckler. So you're in full point PPR, you're okay because you got eight catches and 48 yards on eight targets. But if you're in half point or standard, this is brutal. He got out carried by one by Sony Michelle. He had four carries for five yards against Jacksonville. The offensive line of the Chargers got banged up a little bit too. So basically when I look at this team, I just say, hey, look, I don't care who they're playing. They need Herbert to be coming back healthy. Let's move to that Arizona Rams game. So Stafford, like I pointed out earlier in the first segment, he disappoints in a game that you were hoping he would take advantage of and should have been able to. But really, the Rams just didn't have to do much in this game to win the game at 20-12. to 12. 
Cup. He gets the touchdown on the ground. Four catches, 44 yards, six targets. That's the worst receiving game for Cup in like over a year and a half now. And yet, from a fantasy standpoint, he still finds a way to be good because he gets the touchdown. It's incredible. Better days are obviously ahead. I shouldn't even have to say that. Here's the real story of the day for the Rams. Cam Akers, 12 carries, 61 yards, a touchdown. Should have had two touchdowns, but he fumbled in the red zone. Before you go thinking, like, well, is that going to cost him? Sean McVay's never really been that coach to make that really cost running backs in the past. So I think he'll be okay, especially consider the fact that Darrell Henderson only had four carries in this game. He only had one target. Now, Akers wasn't involved in the passing game at all from the box score standpoint, but if you drafted Cam Akers and you were completely demoralized after week one, like I was in many leagues, it does look like he's the lead back, or at the very least, when the Rams are up, he's the lead back in those situations to close out the game. And I don't think the fumble thing is going to haunt him, at least not yet. If he continues to do it, then yeah, that'll be a different story. But for now, the one fumble I don't think is going to cost him too much. And I think you can use him now confidently as a flex play as an RB3 and maybe matchup dependent or game script dependent. On the Arizona side of the ball, Hollywood is in the building, baby. Like I said, 17 targets, 14 catches, 140 yards. The only thing he doesn't do is score here. Looked fast, looked like he's back in game shape, and I think that was the big key. Kyler Murray, he doesn't get anything for you in the end zone, but does have 314 yards passing. Like I pointed out going into the week, though, everything on offense just looks like a struggle for Arizona. Maybe that changes when they get DeAndre Hopkins back, but for now, you are leaning on volume when it comes to guys like Hollywood Brown, when it comes to Zach Ertz, when it comes to even Greg Dortch, who continue his ways with nine catches and 80 yards on 10 targets, giving him that continued flex fantasy floor. Better days are ahead for James Conner, too. Look, he was clearly not 100%, but he still led the way with 13 carries. He still got involved in the passing game with five targets. If James Conner's available, you're still playing him as an RB, too. Let's move into Atlanta and Seattle. Atlanta pulling off the win here, 27-23. to Mariota only had 20 pass attempts in this game, but goes for 229 yards as a touchdown interception and gets the rushing touchdown. Again, from a rushing standpoint, the yard standpoint wasn't all that impressive. He only had four yards rushing. We're not seeing the real the, the rushing production we saw since last week one, but because he does get the rushing touchdown, because he does get the passing touchdown, he still provides a fantasy floor, making him a continued QB2 streaming option. The big news here is that Patterson goes off. 17 carries, 141 yards, and a touchdown, eight yards a carry, he was dicing them up. Look, for most of this game, it was a split from a snap standpoint between Cordell Patterson and Tyler Algier. And it was just so abundantly clear that Patterson is just the best back they have that eventually they just gave in. Arthur Smith finally gave in and just let Patterson close out the game for them and just let him play, especially in the second half. That's really when he busted it open. Again, though, the one thing I will say that concerns me a little bit and why I might even lean towards Patterson being a sell high, even though I had him as an RB2 heading into this week, is that you want him to be involved in the passing game. I don't want him to get a ton of carries. That's not where I'm looking for fantasy value out of Cordero Patterson. I'm looking for it in the passing game. 
And for the second week in a row, he only gets one target. Now, did they really need it this week? No, because they led most of the game, but that's not what you're leaning on with Patterson. And this is going to be a continued trend where I have to lean on carries for him to get his value. You might want to sell high on him from that standpoint. So kind of keep that in mind of where the fantasy points are coming from with a player like that. Kyle Pitts finally gets off the schneid. Five catches, 87 yards, eight targets. What was interesting, though, is that London was still able to come through because he still got the touchdown. Drake London has been a very consistent player the first three weeks and is a must-play high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two option week in and week out. On the Seattle side, it's still a three-back deployment from a snap point standpoint. Like Travis Homer gets hurt, gets knocked out of the game, but yet we still had to deal with DJ Dallas, even though Kenneth Walker, who you spent a second-round, high second-round draft capital on, is back and healthy, and you had Rashad Penny, who had success towards the second half of the season. If this continues, while I'm still holding Kenneth Walker, if I drafted him in redraft leagues, I am a little bit more concerned about what his actual upside is when Rashad Penny, I'm sorry to say, inevitably most likely gets injured or and or replaced because Kenneth Walker is just a better running back. But now I have to question, does DJ Dallas and or Travis Homer ever actually go away? And I don't know that the answer to that is yes. With the way Pete Carroll is running this team. So something to kind of keep in mind. The wide receivers were better. Tyler Lockett finished up with another decent performance here. Nine catches, 76 yards, 11 targets. And DK Metcalf wasn't spectacular, but he does get 12 targets. He gets five catches, 64 yards, and he gets a touchdown. So he came through for you if you stuck with him as a wide receiver three for fantasy football purposes. Geno Smith got a little bit more aggressive in this game, but he also threw the ball 44 times. It's a very real chance that's going to be the high that he throws on the season. That is not what Seattle typically is going to want to do with Geno Smith. My last game that we're going to talk about today on the Sunday Fun Day recap show is the Packers and the Tampa Bay Bucks. It was a snooze fest, or at least from a fantasy standpoint anyway. Obviously, the Packers winning 14-12 to 12 in this game. I said, look. Rodgers was a back-end QB1 for me. He continues to be that. 255 yards, two touchdowns, a pick. That's about a back-end QB1. I said Tom Brady was my QB18. I didn't want to start him. He finishes somewhere around that back-end QB1, high-end QB2 territory as well, going 271 yards and a touchdown. It just wasn't great. The good news for Brady versus Aaron Rodgers is that, well, Mike Evans will be back next week. Godwin will be back at some point. Maybe even Julio comes back at some point and is able to produce something. And Russell Gage, who had 12 catches on 13 targets, 87 yards, and a touchdown in this game, is getting healthier. So Brady has the upside with the weapons coming back. Well, Meanwhile, Rodgers, look, Watson's, Watson's nothing to be really riding home about. That shouldn't be completely changing your passing attack to begin with. Sammy Watkins is on IR. And even when he comes back, he's really nothing. You have Dobbs, you have Alan Lazard. I think those are the only two trustworthy wide receivers for Green Bay. It's not really going to get better from that. So from that standpoint, let's say, for instance, you find yourself in a situation of maybe you can trade Rodgers for Brady straight up, and I think there's a lot of leagues where that is possible. I'd pull the trigger on that. I'd rather have Brady rest of season because he has way more upside with the weapons he has coming back to him at some point than Aaron Rodgers does just to kind of throw that out there. 
Dobbs, though, here's the good news, was able to take advantage with the other guys out. With Watson out, Sammy Watkins now gone. Eight catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown, eight targets. Lazard does his thing. He scores a touchdown. But I think there's a real chance here as Dobbs plays better and Rodgers gets more confidence in him and Watson continues to miss time because of a hamstring issue. Remember, he had a hamstring issue earlier in camp. That's why he was missing time to begin with. So this is something that might linger throughout the season. Plus, he's a raw guy and a big play guy to begin with. Dobbs may begin to gain steam here a little bit. I think that's a real possibility. So if he's somebody who was dropped, and I know it's a lot of leagues where he was, make sure you go ahead and pick him up. We'll probably talk about him during the waiver wire segment uh, for next for tomorrow's show at 10 p.m. on YouTube and on bellyup.tv on Tuesday night. And it's still split backfield, obviously, for the Green Bay Packers, but both guys can eat. It was just a tough matchup for them here. Better days are ahead. On Tampa Bay side, I mentioned Russell Gage being healthy. He's the guy that you can lean on right now until guys like Godwin get back. Mike Evans will be back next week, so like Gage doesn't get the same kind of volume here, but will still probably be considered somebody who can be potentially in your flex play as long as Godwin is not back on the field. Now, it seems like Gage is actually healthy, and that this is the first game where it looked like he might actually be healthy. And as I pointed out, I would trade Rodgers for Brady. Brady has better games ahead, I believe. That's going to do it for today's show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. When we come back tomorrow night, it'll be the primetime recap along with the waiver savers and, of course, your favorite segment, my heroes and zeros, or basically my right and wrong calls of week three. So everybody, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media at Show. Download us on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you guys tomorrow night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone.